Today's episode is brought to you by Fulton, a modern brand of arch support. Fulton launched the most comfortable, supportive, and sustainable insole on the planet. Fulton insoles have a deep heel cup and comfortable arch support that aligns your body from head to toe. They're made using sustainable materials like vegan cactus leather and cork, allowing them to mold to the shape of your arch and provide customized support. They're also shock absorbing, reducing impact on the body, and are aligned with natural foam to make them extra comfortable. Now, as somebody who's on their feet literally 90% of the day, I can honestly tell you orthotics, insoles, whatever you want, however you look at it, arch support and having good shoes is so important to keeping your back from hurting and things like that. So Fulton is offering our listeners $10 off their next purchase at walkfulton.com by using the promo code POD10. That's code POD10, P-O-D-1-0, for $10 off at walkfulton.com. You can check out their website and see how Fulton can support you. The podcast you are about to listen to contains at least one of the following. Strong language, disturbing topics, abusive opinions, generally things that aren't appropriate for little kids or overly sensitive people. So if any of that stuff's going to get your nose out of joint, this is your chance to turn it off. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk all the time? I can't understand I why. Sweet, sweet voice. This is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are Mondo. Some are just Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. Welcome to I Had to Say It, the podcast where I talk about things that I feel need talking about, and sometimes they're not getting the attention they deserve. And your feelings, they're not under consideration. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Had to Say It. Joining me today is Dr. Catherine Sheffield from A Few Bad Apples podcast. Uh, I'm going to let her talk to you about what her show is about. And uh, if you haven't paid attention to my show, I have recommended it more than once. You should really be listening to it anyway. So this should be kind of redundant. For But, but for the people who don't know who you are, Doc, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, everyone. Um, I'm Catherine, and I am the host of A Few Bad Apples. And it's just a podcast that takes victim stories who people who've encountered negative encounters with police and I highlight those stories but then I also balance each episode with a positive police story because the premise of the show is not anti-police but pro-reform see that's a very good thing that's I completely endorse the entire concept I'm pro-reform all day I don't think they're all bad, but I've definitely encountered a couple of pretty rotten cops in, over the course of my career. Um, you know, it's just happens. <laughs> but I know a lot of good cops, too. I have friends that are police officers, and, you know, I totally support them because I know they're decent. They're not out there doing all the horrible things that would get them on one of your episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think it's going to be a balance anywhere you go. I think that there are always going to be bad ones, and also, but I think that there are probably a lot more good ones. Unfortunately, the news and the media we can blame them all day, but they really do highlight only the negative. And as of lately, like in the last 
two or three weeks, I feel like it has only been negative. And it would be awesome if we could have more positive police stories in the news. But unfortunately, that's just not how they operate. Yeah, it's uh, that's true. I mean, sad, sad truth of the matter is, you know, happy stories don't sell papers. Not that anything sells papers anymore, but, you know, the concepts sound. Right. No, absolutely. I, I totally agree. I think the media really thrives on these issues. And what happens is it starts fueling a, you know, a, a public protest. Um, and because, I mean, can you blame them? People get really fired up from what they're seeing. And it has just been really bad. And of course, we don't know the facts yet, all of the facts. We're just seeing the the start of these problems in the last three weeks. So it would be interesting to see how they all unfold. But if it's really the way it's being portrayed, then it is very alarming. If it really yeah. is. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, there's a lot going on out there. I think there's going to be a lot more coming. But on the other hand, I also agree that the media has got to be held accountable for it, too, because they are hyper inflating certain aspects of it and sensationalizing certain things that probably shouldn't be because it makes for a better headline. It's not necessarily objectively accurate or or even fair always because you can't have a story without a bad guy. I mean, (laughs) otherwise it would, there's nothing to sell. And um, and it's sad. It's actually sad that they um, they're capitalizing on, those unfortunate events. I mean, someone's life was lost regardless of what they did. Um, and then they just really hone in on, um, on those details, which, you know, creates this mass wave of hysteria because people are just like, enough is enough every single day. Appreciate the way you handle it, where you have the good Apple stories and there's, cause like I said, I know some police officers personally. I, and I respect them because they voluntarily go do a job that people hate them for, that they're not getting, you know, any kind of public support these days. And because they're generally good people and they want to help and they, and they want to stop people from doing dangerous and stupid things. And they willingly take a job where getting killed is in the job description, like as a potential outcome of your doing your job. And, uh, I, I have to admire that because I mean, granted anybody could snap anywhere, anytime there's, but like back in, you know, like say the nineties, it used to be the exception, not the rule that like, oh yeah, the, you know, people used to make jokes about people going postal because one guy went crazy in a post office and shot a bunch of people. And it just, back then it was more like, okay, well, you know, so you don't want to work at the post office because you might get killed too. And that could realistically happen just about anywhere, but it's not expected. It's not something you're prepared for. It's not a possibility of, I mean, none of us are promised tomorrow, but at the same time, I don't, I don't put on my, put on my coat and go to work in the morning thinking, yeah, well, you know, somebody might come into the office and plug me today. I mean, I'm, I'm more inclined to think I might slip in the kitchen and hurt myself or something, but that's, you know, that's, that's, that's on me. That's not, it's not a, this is a factor of your job. You may die today. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I work at the schools. I'm not going to go in there every day fearing for my life, but I mean, knowing that it has happened several times within, you know, recently, 
um, I'm, I still don't want to think that way. I don't want to live my life focusing on the negative. And I think, I think that's the unfortunate thing about, um, our culture is a lot of it is just based on negative, you know, things we're just driven on those negative things. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, it's a kind of a sad state of affairs really, because if we all looked at the positives, we'd probably all be a little happier. I mean, just as a, a matter of state, a state of being. (laughs) And, uh, I don't know why more people don't want to do that. It seems like people want to be pissed off and unhappy and negative all the time. And I I don't get the mentality myself and I'm, I'm not exactly a a rainbows and and sunshine kind of person myself, but I still want to be happy. I don't want to be miserable all the time. People and people seem to enjoy it. it's like, I, I mean, I can it. be a grouchy pants at times, but you know, oh. <laughs> but, uh, but I do try to like think, okay, I mean, my situation probably sucks, but I'm sure someone out there has something worse. And so that's what keeps me grounded. And I realize, you know, I don't really have it that bad. So like, what the hell am I complaining about? Exactly. I mean, I'm not living in some war torn, I mean, to hear the news tell it these days, I'm actually pretty close to a couple of war torn areas, but. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not worried about getting pressed into service for, you know, some local militia. And if I don't do it, they're going to murder my entire family. I mean, right. it's, that's a very real situation for people, some people in this world. And it's sad, but. Right. And I walk out the door and I'm in Hawaii. So. I... <laughs> the whole, Hey, look, it's paradise outside. <laughs> Yeah, and I know it, I know it's not perfect, but um No. I mean it's no place is, but I mean I definitely have the Aloha vibes, which makes living a lot more <laughs> enjoyable. Yeah, my uh my, actually my kid brother lives in Hawaii too. Um That's awesome. He's uh he's he's on Oahu, I think he said. That's where I live. Sounds right. Okay, well then he's on the same island you are somewhere. I probably um, met him at what? No, just kidding, because it's not that big. It's, it's yeah, it's it's not huge from what he was saying, but it's no. yeah. Um, he's he they just moved out there actually like right at the start of the pandemic. So oh wow, they they got out there and then couldn't leave the house for fourteen days. So oh yeah, it yeah. was uh they were like yeah we can't even go down to the port and pick up all our stuff because. They moved from Washington to Hawaii, and they shipped all their stuff on a cargo, like in a cargo Is he in the military? So. Not anymore. He oh. used to be in the Navy years ago. Okay. But... That's a, it's a big move. It really is. And it's so hard to move here because I left, um, my husband is in the Army, so we moved from Germany to here. And so that in itself was a crazy task. And trying to get our dog over here was crazy. You had to, um, they, they do mandated, uh, quarantines for your dog. And that was before COVID. Like they, they do that because they don't want to have rabies come on a small Island and then spread like wildfire. So trying to get our dog here, trying to get, Oh my gosh, it was a nut roll. I can, I can imagine. I mean that, yeah, it's just uh, based on the, little bit i do know about the process it sounded like very involved i was like yeah i might come visit but that's i'm gonna wait till i I don't have to spend two weeks hanging out in the house after i come visit to come visit so well no all you need is a covid test negative covid test and you're good 
Oh well, that's yeah. That's good. I'm. St- I don't have. I don't have COVID. I know that, so I'm. I'm okay. <laughs> well, they that's won't good. believe you. So, <laughs> no. My my mom's coming, so I have to. I'm like stressed out. I'm like, okay, we gotta get. You know, you gotta do this because you don't want to be stuck in your hotel. And what they're doing here is, if you do come from another state, they will. And your corn, or if you're visiting or staying at a hotel, and you don't have a COVID test, they won't give you a key to your room. And if oh, they find geez. out that you leave, you will get the police called on you because we have seen it on the news. Like people have, you cannot leave your room and they like, once you close the door, you're done. Wow. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's understandable though. It's like you said, it's, it's a small Island. It's a contained population. You don't want, I mean, that's, yeah. you don't want an outbreak. It's no. I mean, ours is pretty good. I think we're fortunate to live here of all places because they they really cracked down like from the get go, which was made me feel made me feel good, but a little annoyed. Like you have to wear your mask outside at the beach. It's like, really? I'm just with my husband and my kids. Yeah, it's like they're not any more exposed here than than we are at home. Right, right. That's and that's one of those things where they're like, I, I kind of the whole outside mask mandate thing. I'm not opposed to the protective measures to try and curb the spread of this whole thing. And, um, you know, I'm not a rabid anti-masker. I actually, there are times where I really enjoy having a mask on because it, it kind of covers my expression when I'm dealing with people. So <laughs> Me too. I'm just like, Ugh. but apparently I carry a lot of disdain in my eyes too. So it only helps so much. I, uh, <laughs> so Somebody else said that to me. They're like, you know, I can tell you're annoyed even with the mask. And I'm like, well, yeah, what can I say? I'm an open book. Well, you're but you're one half of my face, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 you're not seeing the sneer that goes along with the eyeballs. So, they're... Yeah, really. And, I, course... and you know, that's funny because I typically feel like a pretty friendly person. But, like, I can smile with my eyes but be scowling with my lips <laughs> Thank God this mask on because you will see my face cringing right now. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of the other way. I'm actually, I'm pretty friendly, but apparently I look kind of like surly and standoffish when I, I, I have the male equivalent of resting bitch face, according to some people, because they're just, you just look crabby. I'm like, well, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's it. I'm awake. I'm wearing pants. I'm not happy, so because I I'm out in public. Yeah, I'm. I I have. That's one of those things. That, like people ask me, hey, how you feel about being back to work? And you know, I know the last few months must have been rough on you. Well, yeah, they were at least from a financial aspect. And I found a lot of stuff to keep myself occupied, like starting this podcast. <laughs> but um, it. For me, the big thing is I've never been a big fan of pants. This is, this is like, this is the hill I'm going to die on. I I am really disappointed that I have to wear pants out in public. Not that I want to be like just naked, but I like if I'm not somewhere where I have to look professional, I'm wearing shorts or well, shorts, basically. That's pretty much pretty much it. And I, I or if I'm in my house and I'm not bothering anybody and all the windows are closed boxers, that's pretty much the extent of, uh, I just, I like, I'm one of those people. I'm always hot. I like to be comfortable. 
I don't yeah. like pants. If I could get away with it, I would wear kilts everywhere. You know but... what's so funny? Um, <laughs> when the pandemic hit, I heard on the news that like shirts at like Walmart or like, you know, I guess Walmart's a popular clothing vendor, but um, their shirts like skyrocketed. People were just buying shirts and they were like, that means that a lot of people are not wearing pants because they're at home <laughs> on their Zoom meetings and they're just like, you know, I'm wearing a cool shirt, but I'm literally, you know. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's I it's that was hilarious. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm all for it. I'm team no pants all day. Like I said, I if I could get away with it, unfortunately it's in my situation it's more of a safety thing working in the food service yeah. side of things. Yeah. So please wear pants when you're dealing yeah. with food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I I I did work in one kitchen when I was like in my 20s where the kitchen literally got to be about 115 degrees on an Whoa. average day. During the summer, it would get up to almost 125, like, and just the ventilation was terrible. We had a back door and we would prop fan, like a, two box fans in it, one facing in, one facing out, just to circulate yeah. the air. And it was still in the over 110 degrees every day. And we, and the chef was like, I don't care. You guys can wear shorts. It's hotter than hell in here. And most of us did until one day a guy had a pan explode on him and splattered oh. grease all over his legs. And we were just like, ah, pants oh are coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah every crazy. Literally the next day, everybody came in wearing a pair of like checkered kitchen pants. It was, we didn't plan it. We didn't coordinate it. It just, we all did it. We all came in the next day, f full coverage. Like, nope, not going through that. That sucked. <laughs> and yeah, uh, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that was actually, that's, that's one of my favorite jobs as far as like stories go where like every kitchen nightmare story I have comes out of that one job because <laughs> it was a fantastic job. It was a great place to work. It was really fun, but I worked with a couple of the dumbest, well, dumb may not be fair, but careless people I've ever worked with where they would put cause situations that jeopardized everybody else that was working there. I got deep fried, like literally deep fried my right arm because of them. Oh <laughs> um, yeah, that, that sucked. I had like second and third degree burns oh all the way God. down my, all the way down that, my arm. That's terrible. Yeah. And it completely healed. No scars. <laughs> but wow. yeah, I, I, I took a ridiculous amount of care of it. And apparently I heal pretty well because over the course of my 42 years of life i have i have two scars on like my entire body and one of them is where i cut the tip of my thumb off and then like super glued it back on and the other one yeah i have i have problems I was I, like, I, your, your wounds sound worse than mine when i worked at mcdonald's when i was 17 i got like a a burn of the fry basket for some reason i like grabbed it and it swung back and i had like a grill Ooh. mark like a fry basket mark yeah. on my arm well, i've i've had a, i've had a few of those um i had one of the uh places i worked actually the same place one of the the, the guys was uh he deep fried a pair of tongs because he wasn't paying attention they were in the fry basket and he dumped fries in and dropped it into oh the fryer my gosh. And then he picked it up and he dumped it into the fry like holding spot. And I was, he was in the weeds and I was actually at that point, I was the, 
the chef and I came around the line to come help him get caught up with all the plates he had to get done. And I saw the tongs in the fries and I figured they were in there to grab some fries. And I grabbed the tongs by the handle and I burned like a V into the palm of my hand. And it it took like three months to heal. It was pretty bad. (laughs) And, uh, like I like fried all the nerves in my, in my hand. Uh, I couldn't, couldn't feel heat sensation for like about five years. Like wow. at all that, well, that, that was after I got deep fried. It, it caused nerve damage. And, uh, it was funny cause I actually started working at a culinary school after that happened. <laughs> uh, not like in a professional capacity, more, more like, like a TA kind of. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, occasionally I would do stuff just to mess with the culinary students. Like we'd be talking and I'd lean on the flat top with my hand that was like heat dead. Cause I, I knew in my mind how long I could do that before it would damage it, but I couldn't feel it. And I, and a lot of chefs will have like, you know, calluses on our hands from knives and all this other stuff. So I would sit there until like my, my calluses would start smoking <laughs> and they'd be like, dude, yeah, that happens. Sorry, and just freak the kids out. And they, what is wrong with you? No, nothing. Didn't feel a thing. Jeez, because <laughs> your hands already been burned so many times. Yeah, and that's that's what I told them. I was like, and the ironic thing is, at the time, I was like all of you know twenty four, you know. But in my wisdom of dealing with all these kids fresh out of high school that were freshmen in the culinary yeah. program, now I'm like, just relax, children. Everything will be fine. You know that smug early twenties attitude when dealing with teenagers. Yeah. And, uh, and it was just like, I'm a high school teacher. I know all about it. Yeah. I'm I'm sure, I'm sure you've had to see that, see that. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was looking back. I was just so just, God, I was cringy. (laughs) Like, why did you do these things to those poor kids? It's like, well, I was just trying to warn them. This is what happens to you if you enter this line of work. You turn into me. <laughs> well, I think that's a good lesson for them to know, you know, like realistically, oh, yeah. because I think um, all schools do this. We prepare them for the general, like, you know, yeah. reading and writing. And like in your case, the, you know, the rules, the protocols, but you're not telling them, hey, you might deep fry your arm. Yeah, you're going to you're going to wind up with stitches at some point. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to do but, something but dumb. Important job. I think you know, food industry is so important, and and hospitality and all of that because I mean, it's everywhere, every single place you go, and I do think like that's essential. Those lessons are really valuable for them. Well, yeah, and particularly like the safety side of things, because I mean, I I try not to overstress these things when I'm talking to people outside the industry, just because. I don't like to put that mindset into people's heads, but I, I particularly with certain family members, if I get a lot where they're like, how do you go out to restaurants and not freak out because you know, everything that can be going wrong in the back of the house. And I'm like, I go out to restaurants and I don't freak out and I relax and enjoy my meals. Cause I'm not the one making them because I have enough faith in the people that are in the back of the house that they're not going to screw up. <laughs> like yeah, that's the difference between me place. and you. Oh yeah. If you go to a really good restaurant, they're not going to let someone screw off and mess around. Yeah. Well, I mean, well they might, but it'll it'll be contained. <laughs> yeah. Well, That's, I mean, you can have fun while you're doing your job, but you're not going to go yeah. like, "Hey, let me close my eyes and try to chop an onion or something." Yeah. Well, 
that's not yeah you're not gonna have to worry about like f- the likelihood of like finding a fingertip in your yeah. food is not not real uh high that's actually my my wife uh watches a lot of like true crime stuff and things like that and one of the shows she watches uh this morning when we were i was making breakfast she had it on and they were talking about a few years back when the lady was suing Wendy's cause she found a fingertip in her chili. Oh, and it, it turned out that she was like a con artist. She was trying to defraud. And get she, money. Yeah. She sued him for like a million dollars or something like that. Cause she found a finger, a human finger in her chili. And like, basically as soon as they brought it up, I remember when it happened, it was early two thousands and, I remember when it happened and I was just like, there's literally no friggin' way that finger got in that chili because I know people that work at Wendy's. So I like when I was in high school, I had friends that worked at Wendy's. I used, they used to hook me up. I'd go, <laughs> I'd go hit the drive through on my way home from work. And I'd, I'd be like, Hey, you guys are closing in 20 minutes. How much throw up food you got tonight? <laughs> and they'd be, and my buddy'd be like, well, I got some chickens you can have. And I'd, so I'd buy like two cheeseburgers and then they'd have like four chicken sandwiches that they couldn't do anything with that was going to go in the trash. And be like this, you know, I'd spend $6 and get a bag the size of my head. Here you go. And so, but I know for a fact that like when Wendy's, Wendy's makes their chili in house, it's not like it's shipped in from a big distribution place. Yeah. Which that really limits the possibility of a human finger winding up in that chili without somebody knowing about it. Yeah, was it? I was going to say, if someone got their finger cut off, wouldn't they like go to the hospital? Wouldn't they have a workman's oh, comp report or something? Yeah, like there, there's all kinds of stuff in place to deal with that. Not to mention the food would get thrown out. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, oh, and yeah, they, exactly. Uh, like my finger's in the chili. Oh, let's serve it. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And so this lady... And she was, I mean, it turned out to be she was trying to, like I said, she was trying to defraud and sue Wendy's. And Wendy's wound up countersuing because they lost something like $21 million worth of revenue because of this lady going on the news and talking about how traumatized she was that she found a finger in her chili. And and it turned out to be, it was like one of her husband's coworkers got his finger cut off because they worked with heavy machinery and he brought it in and he was like showing the finger to a bunch of his coworkers and he owed his, he owed her husband some money and he was like, well, dude, give me the finger and we'll call it even. Oh my God. I did not know about this, the end of this story. I heard about the finger, I think. Yeah. No, it's wild. Yeah. She, she brought some random guys and apparently she cooked it a little bit at home before she, so, so she would try and convince people it was in the chili. So she like simmered it with some seasonings and stuff. Oh my and god, that's so was, disgusting. Yeah, but that actually just made her case that much worse because Yeah, she seasoned it up a little bit so she was she was thinking, okay, this looks like it was cooked in the chili now. But the way they make their chili and the way most places that make these things, it's like a long cooking process. It simmers for like 3 or 4 hours. And the way my brain works is when I, even when I heard about this story, you know, 20 years ago or whatever it was, 15 years, um, it was, my brain said, okay, there's not a lot of protein on a bone, like a finger joint. 
if it if this finger was simmering in that pot for any length of time, like it was actually cooked in the chili, it would all fall. All, all the skin and the and the and the meat of the finger would fall off, and it would be bones. Um, and can like I maybe just say I never nail. want chili again? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I don't want a mystery meat chili. <laughs> Well, no, that's kind of my point is something like that really yeah, couldn't yeah, happen no, I know. where, you know, it, it would just, it, it wouldn't work. And so the, that's like, as soon as I heard the story, I, I was just like, that's bullshit. She, she well, is I, lying. You know what's so funny? I, and, I mean, this has nothing to do with the finger, but I, I was telling my students about, we were in the unit where we were like, talking about instructions and how thorough they have to be. And I was like, every single time you go to Starbucks or McDonald's and you order something, it has to have a caution, like extremely hot warning, because that one lady that spilled it on her crotch um, ended up suing and winning. And, and, and they were like, what? And I'm like, every single thing out there has an instruction because some person some idiot did something dumb and ended up suing and now there's a liability and so they were fascinated i said i want you to take a look around like around your community and see where you find instructions and they they came back and they're like oh my god you're right there's instructions on everything yeah it's they corporations protecting themselves because somebody did something dumb just like you said like the uh, the silica gel packets. This is the one that's always been my personal hang up. You see the, the you know do not eat, and it's on. You know you get some. You order some yeah. piece of electronics, yeah. and there's silica gel packets in there to keep it from. Or or your new shoes. I found them in shoes. I found them in. Right. I mean all sorts of random things, and I've I've always said to myself, what kind of person orders a pair of shoes or orders some piece of electronics and went, Oh look, they gave me free candy. I, it's, I just, I, I don't know. And the fact that they have to put that on there, I'm at the, I'm kind of of the mindset where it's like, uh, some of the things that are wrong with the world today, I think could be remedied real easily. If we just took the warning labels oh, yeah. off of everything and just kind of let nature, let nature work its Survival course a little bit. You know? I mean, Exactly. If if you're the kind of person that thinks I should eat this package of stuff that came in my shoe, maybe you should. Right. Maybe you should. I mean, sounds and kind the of mean, but at the same and time, the I'm like dishwasher eh. tablets and all of that. Oh. But w- w- what was my hangup was the one who uh, the person who this was way when like cruise control started. Um, they pushed cruise control and then went to go to the back of the car to take a nap or whatever because they thought the car was going to drive itself and then they ended up sitting and winning and I told my students that and they were just like what I'm like I'm sorry guys like you are growing up in a world where people are our test dummies out there (laughs) yeah very much so I I I had forgotten about that that was my hiccup (laughs) 24-7, like, oh, yeah, I always think about that one person who thought that the car was going to do it all, and they can go take a nap, and this is yep. the Jetsons, and nothing bad will happen. Yeah, and ironically enough, now we're actually almost to that point where they've, they're oh, yeah, testing the, the self-driving thing. cars we're, now. Yeah, it's picking people up, and it's dropping them off. Yeah, I, uh, I mean... How do you feel I don't about know. That? I 
I have I, <laughs> I have very right. mixed feelings on the subject. Part of me's part of me's like, yeah, having those extra features built into vehicles could be helpful. I don't think it's necessarily something people should be relying on, though. I mean, I'm all for like a car that's smart enough to, like, yeah, say, an impaired yeah. driver gets behind the wheel, and you know, a car that'll keep them from running into somebody else. Yeah. I think is a fantastic thing. But on the other hand. I don't know that I would necessarily be able to like take a nap in the back of a self-driving car. Like, Oh, it'll get me where I got to go. Well, at that point it wasn't a self-driving car. It was a car you were supposed to be monitoring and operating. (laughs) Yeah. Just so you can take your foot off the gas. It's not going to get you where you like cruise control. Okay. I want to go to Paramus. Here you go. I'll be chilling. Uh, I'll be chilling. Let the car do the job. It's wild. I just think, oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, we laugh about it, but unfortunately somebody is out there getting hurt. We're not, I'm not laughing at them, but it's the idea that we're just experimenting. Like, hey, let me eat these gel beads. Yeah. Hey, these keep my shoes from getting moldy. I wonder if they'll help my intestinal issues. (laughs) Yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, bottoms right. up there, bud. Right. Yeah. And the, the, the tapeworm oh, yeah. diet. I, I mean, that's oh, that's disgusting. We're not even going there. No, no, please. I've speaking as someone who's no, actually no, seen no, a no. tapeworm. I, no, I opened no. up that can of worms. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's no. I mean, not that I've had no, one but, personally, I mean, but I do. Was, were deliberately that's trying what... to do that to lose weight. Let me infect yeah, trying my to... body and have a parasitic, so... you know, invader in my body. Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't understand. I mean, I'm not particularly thrilled with the shape I'm in, and I've made no qualms about it. I'm pretty sure it's a matter of public record that I need to lose, like, an entire human being. Um, and not a small human being either. I mean, I, I need to lose, like, a full, you know, six-foot guy worth of weight. But, um, yeah, I, I would never no. give myself a parasite. <laughs> they're called, they're called. People are just, God bless. <laughs> yeah. I mean, old folks and fools, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't understand the mentality, but you know. I guess I don't really have to to just be a little forgiving and say, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a reason you're like this. <laughs> uh, but then other days I have more, my more cynical moments where I'm like, you know what? You're going to be an yeah. episode. You just set yeah. me off. <laughs> and, uh, and honestly, yeah, that's kind of, that's realistically one of the things that got my show started was going, yeah, you know something? I got a lot of things I want to complain about. <laughs> and uh, it was actually really interesting. I I mean, it's not like I have this huge audience or anything, but like the when I did start actually getting some traction, I was, like I suffer from really terrible imposter syndrome. Like I, <laughs> people tell me like, oh, yeah, I listened to that episode. And I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. Because I don't know, part of me in the back of my mind still thinks it's like my mom with 37 37- <laughs> fake accounts like yeah. listening to every episode and, and um 
honestly, from a from a, a factual standpoint, I, I've spoken to her. I know she really doesn't listen too much because she's like, you really got to cuss so much. I mean, uh, like my, my stepdad listens. I think he just kind of gives her the cliff notes versions of like, hey, here's what Aaron was complaining about today. That's funny. But <laughs> but um, but a lot of it was just all these instances of me going, I cannot believe this happens. And then ranting and raving for a little while and making an episode out of it and then having people be like dude i'm so glad to hear somebody else actually say that and like well if, maybe if we all said it a little more often it would stop right. happening no, I you agree. Know? it's an unfortunate way to get what's yeah. off your chest and i mean i'm sure many people will agree and there will of course be some that don't just like my show I was afraid when I started it that like people were going to be upset and I I thought I thought actually my friends and family were going to be the ones going how awful like why would you do this and but then they saw that I'm coming from a really genuine place and trying to just put real facts out there it's not like I'm saying hey I think this I think that you know um and and people were like really really well receiving and I was shocked I was like wait there's this is crazy because it's blowing up yeah well i mean I, like i said i'm a fan personally so so it's like yeah the way you present the things you're not loading a lot of bias and a, a bunch of like you know trying to tell people what they should think about it you're presenting the facts as they exist and going you know here exactly. use your head make up your mind and that's which... kind of what i wanted to do sometimes you know yeah. you almost sympathize for the person you because you i mean i i know for the guy who and this was in the first season um the boren family he he annihilated his family and then he committed suicide yeah. i know i sympathized with him at some point because he had a really really horrible upbringing and i didn't say I just presented yeah. the facts. Now, was he a likable guy? No. But, I mean, but if you look at the overall picture, you're like, okay, this guy had a really shitty hand dealt to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and he, honestly, this, you know, the system kind of failed him for lack right. of a but better then, way of, of putting course, it. Of the, course, the I mean, department. But then he got into position. Well, they even had yeah. their reservations about him. They were like, you know, there's some things about him, but they, they overlooked it. So, I mean, if you look at that whole story, okay, this problem probably wouldn't have happened if somebody would have said, no, you're actually not fit for this job. Yeah, and that's, it's unfor that's another unfortunate thing about the system and one of those, like, like I've said, we're both very, very staunch supporters of reform. And part of the problem, though, is, and it's going to be getting compounded and get worse, at least in my opinion, is that with the current attitude about police officers and that line of work and those people in general, they kind of got to take what they can get, which compounds mm -hmm. these issues because <laughs> there's not exactly, you know, a line of people beating the door down going, let me take all this abuse and all this public hate in the name of yeah. doing good. So instead you get these people that want the power and they want to be right. able to be shitheads. <laughs> I remember us talking about that guy, Joe Glenowitz. Remember that Glenowitz episode? The, he was the officer who was 
Yeah, I re- well, I remember. I mean, like, but if you look at him, he he portrayed himself as wanting to do good, working with those kids, and then like embezzling. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I really feel like people are there are people who are aware aware of the bad that's happening, but they turn their eyes towards it, away from it, and they are like, I don't see it. And they let it go and it festers. And then we have these problems where people are getting shot with their hands up when their hands are up. And that's the problem. I think that's the problem. I think we had too many people who were complacent, didn't want to step up, make a change or say, hey, I'm going to be the whistleblower. I'm going to report this person. And that's my own opinion. But I really, from all the research that I've done, it feels like there have always been somebody there in the background knowing what's going on yeah and it's it's well it's like you said i mean the culture needs to be reformed it needs to be adjusted they it need to it needs to stop being stigmatized to call out yeah. the bad guys and and that you know and i a, a few of the officers i know that i've talked to and um just, just putting this out there, if there are any officers that happen to hear this and you want to talk and you yeah. want to come on the show and give your perspective, let, let me know. Or let me know. <laughs> um, but, or, 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 or let Doc know. Yeah. Um, either way, um, yes, we'd, we'd both be happy to talk to you and give you a, a chance to put your side of things out there. Because, like I said, the guys I know that I've talked to, they are, they they want to see reform too. And I've a couple of my friends I've actually talked to where we've had that conversation where it's like, if you know something, you know, is this guy's bad news and he's, you know, why is it so hard for you guys to, you know, why does everybody hate internal affairs? Why does everybody seem to think this is a problem of calling a shithead guy yeah. out for being a shithead? And uh, yeah, it's, it, but it's, it's a very real thing that in that community, if you, if they think you're, it's, it's almost like being right. a prison snitch. I mean, <laughs> the other prisoners don't respect snitches and they don't trust them. And if you get the reputation in the police department for ratting on somebody who's doing something they shouldn't be doing yeah, in the first I place. I saw you're that the in the Buddy way. Boys episode, and, even though that took place in the seventies and the early eighties, um, they, you know, they were really, really like almost bully like to when they suspected somebody. So one guy, his, they, I guess it was a family of police officers. One guy's brother was at another substation and he was known as a rat and it affected the other guy who's at a different station because they knew that they were related and they did not trust him. So when he started, they even would pat him down. and like, are you wearing wires? You know? So, I mean, they did not trust him and it's a culture of, uh, you know, boys in blue and that's how they created that buddy boys thing. And I understand it. There's like this camaraderie that no one's really going to understand on the outside world because you guys do the same job. You guys talk the lingo, you know, everything, the ins and outs and, and you do not want to be known as a snitch. And I understand that totally. Same thing as a gang member though. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) It, re- it really, it, it is very similar. I mean, it's just a matter of yeah. mm-hmm. which side of the line you're right. on. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> no, that's a very, I mean, very I mean, I don't, I'm not, I in no uh, way am insinuating police officers are gang members or have that 
you know, mentality. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's it just a matter uh, of loyalty. No, I, I, I get you what you're saying. Go down and say it's just a matter of loyalty. And if you are considered, you know, somebody who's willing to open up and say something, you're definitely betraying that trust and loyalty. But on the other hand, yeah, that's, on the other that's hand, a good way though, of putting it. And this is just me because I might be have a good moral compass. No, I'm just kidding. But no, I, I think I do. But I would say if you see something wrong and this person's out there protecting and serving, I mean, you also signed up to protect and serve. And if you should, you should be that person and there should be a safe place for you to be able to anonymously say, Hey, I saw something. I don't want to put my name on anything, but uh, please look into this and leave it to someone else. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing. If you signed up to protect and serve, and you're upset that somebody's calling you out for violating your oath or being a scumbag. That's really, I don't, I don't understand the mindset of being upset about that. The, if anything, I mean, like I said, the guys I know when something comes up where there's an officer who gets outed for being a scumbag or whatever, they're the first ones to sit in there yelling, throw the book at them because they're pissed off that they're getting a bad reputation mm-hmm. because of something this guy did. Yeah, and uh, I know good. a lot of the officers feel that way, but at the same time, it's yeah. still that culture of, you know, it's us versus them. And we need, I think that's the part right. they need to kind of work on is, uh, yeah, from yeah. within the reform needs to it's, start from within, but also I think we need to define what does reform look like, you know, but we're, I mean, we, you and I are not going to unhash that, but I think that's the first step. <laughs> we always say we need yeah. reform. But what does reform actually mean and to you and what would it look like? I think that should be the first starting question. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. That's actually one of my, one of my issues I have with all these people that are out here mm-hmm. screaming about defund the police or I, I, I've, I've said it more than once and <laughs> I, I take no issue with people finding out where I stand on things and, I've called it out a couple of times actually where it's, I won't ever get behind like the all cops are bastards or any of that other stuff because they're not at the end of the day, they're all just people just like the rest of us trying to do a really stressful, shitty job. And there are some really stressful, shitty people doing that job, but these people that are screaming about defunding the police and get rid of all of them and tear it all down they all have a lot of anger and from a certain extent, it's understandable. Uh, Particularly, I I take a lot of issue with people that through, I mean, through no necessarily not through any fault of their own, but like through their own status of not having to deal with the issues they're bent out of shape about, but feeling the need to tell everyone else how to feel about these things. But they have a lot of opinions and a lot of, this is what's right and this is what's wrong, but they don't offer any solutions right. or any alternatives. Tear the system down, but no ideas about how to fix it I or how to restructure think, okay. it. Okay. I mean, maybe in 40 years, if someone had a clear cut path that we don't need police, okay, whatever. I at least have a plan, but I mean, just try to rip them out now. Like, let's see how that really flies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, actually, you can look at Minnesota if you yeah. want to see how that's well, working that, out. Because there was a section of it's... Seattle that was, you know, the defunded zone. I don't know what what the term was, but I mean, yeah, uh, 
I, I know that yeah, I that fell personally apart. not want to live there <laughs> if I ha if I did that. And I'm not saying that I'm putting my trust 100% in police, but knowing that there might be some law and order in the town I'm living in is a reassuring fact, right? Yeah, definitely. And like I said, the the whole, well, we don't have any ideas how to fix it, but we know it's broken mentality is, I mean, it's dangerously yeah. widespread at this point, in yeah. my opinion, because like I said, it's, and like that, like you said, that, that area where they set up the, you yeah. know, no cop zone or whatever in Seattle, and they you know, tried to make it this, you know, ideal anarchist collective or whatever it was they were calling it, which I mean, honestly, in, in my mind, I'm something of an anarchist myself, but not in any of the ways that are portrayed by the media or any of this other stuff, because the idea behind that of the no centralized government kind of thing does not remove accountability or responsibility. And the problem is, I think as, as a, a society, we're just not mature enough to live like that. And it pretty much was shown by the, that little group of people. And it was a remarkably solid swatch of a bunch of people that grew up privileged, benefiting from all the things they were complaining about that allowed them to develop the mentality of this is how we want to do these things. You know, they, they grew up safe and secure and didn't have to constantly worry about their own safety. So they didn't think they needed cops or organization or government or anything else. And it, I, I just think it kind of shows and how quickly everything fell apart. Well, it was, it was an interesting social, I would say experiment, but I mean, would our entire country thrive on that? No, I don't think so. There's just too much going on, but I do think there should yeah. be a good balance between um, like what the public knows about what the police is, practices are or you know i think there needs to be a better line of transparency and i'm actually going to be talking about that oh i just talked about it in my previous episode but transparency i think is important and mental health and there's so many things we could start with but at first i don't think ripping police out of every community across america is the answer oh no i i completely agree with you um, and I actually, I'm glad you brought up transparency too, because yeah, I, transparency would go a long way in alleviating a lot of this stuff instead of, instead of making any, like any informational requests involving any kind of government stuff is such a, it's, it's, it's an obstacle course. It's not designed yeah. to be easy to navigate. They don't want mm -hmm. information available and that mentality is going to have to change if they want to you know, maintain any sort of presence without, I mean, the population, uh, a lot of it, I think a lot of it gets written off because it's, and I think part of it's being overhyped by the media and it's a lot of, they try and capitalize on saying it's for marginalized individuals who are not having a voice and they're all getting fed up. But then when you look at the actual demographics of the people that are involved in this as often as not, it's a bunch of extremely privileged. Well, for lack of a better word, kids, because I haven't seen a lot of rioting and looting by people that are my age because that shit looks yeah. exhausting. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's kind of been my perspective on it is 
again, kind of going back to the whole media coverage, but yeah, there is a lot of people that are fed up, but the ones that are going to actually affect any kind of real change shy of going out and destroying a bunch of stuff are, they still want a lot of the same things. They want that transparency. The people that, you know, know things are accomplished through money and maneuvers (laughs) and they're going to start going after funding and things like that. And you know, maybe, maybe actually trying to get some political reform on the matters as well. They're not the ones that are out there burning stuff, but they have the same questions that need to be answered. We need to see what's going on and yeah, why and are that's things why this they way? implemented like body cameras and stuff like that. But, but, um, a lot of times, and I've seen this in several episodes, the body cameras are off. So what was the point of it? Or, or if it was on the footage doesn't get released for, Four years after, you know, so many people have forgotten about it. And it's just, that's not transparency. The purpose of it is to say, hey, this is what I encountered. This is, you know, I'm being open and honest. Here's a video in a timely manner to the public. But that's not the case. A lot of, you know. Well, yeah, and with like the body cam footage, it doesn't do any good. The public's not going to go, oh, well, you guys are wearing body cams if you're still only using them internally. It's like, well, we looked at the footage yeah. and we promised that yeah. they, they did the right thing. What was the point of the body cam okay. then? Yeah, says you. <laughs> or the dash cam footage. You know, a lot of yeah. times you hear the cameras are off. And in like Elijah McClain's case, like for some reason, the camera fell on the ground and didn't capture anything. It's just baffling. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I don't get that. I mean, like I, I have a friend of mine who literally has dash cams and a, and a, and a, and a back camera in his car that record every time he's in the car driving, because it's, you know, in case anything happens, if he, if he gets into a car accident, you know, he's got a record of what happened. If he has any kind of run-ins with an officer, it's, there's, it's, it's filmed. It's, it's, there's, right. It's filmed and uploaded to the cloud. It's at this point, it's not even, He's got everything paired with his phone and everything's you stored the cloud data. And if nothing happens, he gets yeah. home and deletes it. If on the other hand, he also gets some really cool stuff that he puts on Facebook where he's like, Hey, check out what I saw while right. I was driving home today. And you know, like they, there was a one thing he put up, it was just a video of a bunch of turkeys that were blocking the road. And I mean, oh. it's nothing special. It's nothing outlandish, but if he hadn't had his camera hooked up yeah. in his car, we wouldn't have seen it. And it was just kind of cool because it made me realize exactly how little of a shit turkeys give because they were all just sitting in the road like, yeah, no, we're here. He pulls up, he's blowing his horn at them. They're just like, nope, nope, we're good. You you can wait. And and he's, you know, not, kind of like me, doesn't want to just run them over. So he's like inching up to him and you can like see the turkeys just getting closer to the hood of the car and just, nope. No, nope. here, let me hop up on your hood and stare at you real quick. I mean, it was, it's kind of funny. But on the other hand, if this, you know, random guy can install two stable cameras into his car that don't fall off and don't lose footage, it's really, why can't, you know, publicly funded government agencies do the same yeah. thing? And, and he told, he told me the setup cost him, I think it came out to be like maybe 150 bucks because, it's actually two cell phones that he's got 
mounted one in the front and one in the back and and uh they were just little cheap like uh you know prepay phones because he they don't actually have service they they just pair to his phone through the bluetooth and then his phone uploads the the stream to the cloud so and i was like wow that's pretty cool and uh, i guess there's even an app for that now to that turns your cell phone into wow. a dash cam he just didn't want to he just didn't want to have to deal with clipping his own phone yeah. to the dash every time so so he uh engineered himself a a, a whole setup and uh, would you oh, like to sure, just yeah. uh, throw your socials yeah. out there or whatever? Uh, sure, to, sure, tell everybody yeah. where they can find um, you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's um, at few apples or on Instagram at a few bad apples pod. And yeah, or you can email me at bad apples podcast at yahoo.com. All right. Excellent. Cool. Well, um, thank you. Like I said, thanks again for joining me. This was fun. Um, and you know I'll, you. I'll be listening and <laughs> uh for now like i said uh that's what we had to say thanks for listening to another episode of i had to say it if you liked what you heard leave a review give us a follow give me some feedback and if you didn't like what you heard leave a review give me a follow give me some feedback i'll try and fix it check us out on all the social media platforms that i had to say it podcast is the trigger for all that stuff for the search term and if you want check out the website www.ihadtosayitpodcast.com there's links to people that have been involved with the program things i've talked about there are some links available for some merch that we're working on and there are ways to contact us there as well and thanks for listening and i look forward to talking to you again soon